Good evening to you, Dr. Dabani, and thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Good evening, Mastaba. Thanks for inviting me back. Welcome back, ma'am. It's a pleasure to have you with us again. Now, we, when you were here, touched a little bit on uh, the different cancers that uh, affect mm. men. Let's talk about them. Uh, prostate cancer, uh, lung cancer, mm. uh, colon cancer. Yes, so um, according to, to, to the um, National Cancer Registry um, statistics, and mm-hmm. these are a little bit old, these are from 2004, prostate cancer is one of the leading cancers affecting men um, in South Africa. Um, you know, the, the, the risk for prostate cancer and the incidence increases with age. So the older a man gets, the higher the risk that they could at some stage be diagnosed with prostate cancer. In fact, um, a man has got a 1 in 10 lifetime risk in getting diagnosed with prostate cancer. Now, with regards to get, getting diagnosed, I understand that a lot of men put off going for checkups, mm. um, and, and diagnosis normally takes place so late in the day. Uh, yes and no. Um, the issue with prostate cancer is that, yes, it's good to be vigilant. Yes, it's good to screen and talk to your GP or urologist. But you also need to know that a lot of older men die with prostate cancer, mm-hmm. not from prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. So, is that, uh, Kana, you said that one of the reasons is that it's so slow to develop. Exactly. So okay. there are different types, but in the vast majority of older men, it is a slow-growing cancer that may not in the end be the cause of death. So, yes, screening is important, although there's a controversial area because of that, because of the fact that we may also pick up early cancers that were not necessarily going to be a problem in a man's lifetime. But certainly if a man has got a first-degree relative uh, who's had prostate cancer, and by first-degree would mean brother or dad, then that man is considered higher risk and should check, especially if the relative developed prostate cancer early on under the age of 50. But if your dad developed prostate cancer when he was in his 80s um, and possibly had a stroke and died from that, not the prostate cancer, that does not necessarily mean that a man is at an increased risk. And at the moment, there's controversy about whether all men should screen or whether men that are perceived to be at high risk. What about colon cancer and stomach cancer? And lung cancer as well. Okay, so with regards to colon cancer, um, there are a number of tests that have been uh, recognized as um, valid screening tools, but the commonest one is a colonoscopy. And mm-hmm. a colonoscopy is when a camera is put up um, the, the backside and going through the entire large intestine or colon to look for polyps, which are growths that grow from the muscle wall of the colon. But now... How is word spread around raising awareness of the need for annual checkups and, and the colonoscopies? Because I, I've, I've heard various men, and I'm talking here young men who mm. you think are, you know, quite enlightened, they've been exposed to, to the world, saying, mm. you know what, it's okay, I'll skip the colonoscopy and I'll take my chances with the cancer. Mm. I, you know, it, it, what, it, it, what I would say to, to men is that Firstly, um, they only really not need to start screening over the age of 50, okay? okay? And also, if the colon is fine at that screening colonoscopy, um, the next colonoscopy can be done in 10 years. So surely once a decade is, 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 is not so much to give in order to pick up a cancer early and to, to save a life. Um, for sure, if the colonoscopy is abnormal or there are polyps and the surgeon is concerned, they would possibly call the person back in a year or two. But everything being fine, you can actually have a colonoscopy from the age of 50 and again 10 years later. So it's not a lot.
Okay. So we're talking about really becoming vigilant once one hits 50 with regards yes. to colon cancer. Yes, yes, yes. Stomach yes. cancer? There, there, there's no test for stomach cancer, unfortunately. And, and there are a number of cancers like that. Stomach cancer, pancreatic cancer, um, that there isn't a recognized screening test. And wh- what that means is that there isn't a test that we know that if we do it, um, that we change the final outcomes and we decrease mortality or death rates from that particular cancer. So, unfortunately, today there isn't really um, strict recommendations for particularly stomach cancer because we don't know that there is a test that we can do that can reduce deaths from this kind of cancer. So like um, stomach cancer, uh, pancreatic cancer, we don't have specific screening tools for those. So what happens? Are there, are there symptoms that one should look yes. out for? Um, so for stomach cancer, the, the main symptoms are nausea, um, a feeling of indigestion. So often people report that they feel like food is getting stuck when they swallow or vomiting after meals, decreased appetite and weight loss, as well as um, um, abdominal discomfort. Abdominal, sorry, we lost you. Abdominal discomfort. Okay. So if one is really having a problem with regards to their stomach, um, as you said, the the feeling full um, or chronic acidic stomach and things like that, one needs or an upset stomach. One needs to go and see their doctor. One needs to go and, and see their, their doctor. And if the symptoms persist, they would then need to have a gastroscopy where they um, uh, they swallow a, a tube and that um, with a camera that then looks into the stomach to see if there aren't any areas of concern. This is done under a light sedation, so um, it's not as though you would actively swallow the tube. The tube is passed through the following pipe um, and, 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 and the stomach is visualized with a camera. Okay. Uh, I've got an SMS coming in from Mujaji Mukuku who says, what are the most obvious symptoms that one may develop relating to which cancer, Mujaji, because we are looking at men and cancer. Mm. We're looking at the whole range mm. of different cancers that are diagnosed mm. differently, that uh, present differently in terms mm. of symptoms. So which one are you um, requesting mm. information on? Uh, give us a ring if you would like to engage Dr. Keurapeti Tabani, our guest joining us uh, on the line. She is a medical on Oncologist. The number to dial is 
feels bloated. But the next day or two, it's gone. And, and that's okay. It happens to everybody. But if there's a persistent symptom um, that lasts for longer than three to six weeks, um, then that needs to be evaluated um, and, and followed up. And I just want to touch on the issue of lifestyle. Because mm. A good lifestyle is, is, is important in many, many ways because we know that, for example, cancers like colon cancer um, can be, the risk can be increased uh, by um, a poor lifestyle, for example, smoking, um, um, and also we know the association of smoking and lung cancer. Alcohol, alcohol increases the risk of colon cancer. Being overweight, we know that overweight men have got an increased risk of, of colon cancer and also eating excessive amounts of um, of red meat. Um, you know, the jury is out as to exactly what it is in the red meat that causes cancer, but there are a lot of um, suspicion about whether it's the preservatives or nitrates in the, in, 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 in the meat, whether it's a, a protein called heme, which is the protein that gives the meat the red color, and whether those products of breakdown are not carcinogenic. So we know, and studies have shown, and in fact there was a study published recently this year in, in the Journal of Clinical Oncology that showed that increased um, um, consumption of red meat was associated with one, an increased risk of colon cancer, two, poorer outcomes in those who've already been diagnosed with colon cancer. That's not to say that we mustn't, um, you know, time and again indulge and have a glass of wine and, and have red meat, but I think that um, a good diet, a chicken, fish, um, limited amounts of red meat, limiting alcohol to perhaps one or two drinks per day at most, um, uh, weight loss and exercise, um, significantly lower people's risk of getting cancer, among others, colon cancer. I want to talk about lung cancer, but I've got an SMS coming in from Mike in Cape Town who says, uh, Hi, doctor, would you please explain what UTI is, the urinary tract infection and the symptoms? Okay, so uh, UTI, as you say, is a urinary tract infection. Uh, it's, it's caused by bacteria. Um, the, the symptoms are burning urine. Um, it's, it's also a feeling of urgency. So someone rushes to the bathroom thinking that they are pressed, and when they get there, only a few drops uh, come out. Um, sometimes blood in the urine um, is also a symptom. So pain, burning, blood, and frequency are the commonest symptoms of a urinary tract infection. And, and men are as prone to UTIs as women are? No. Women are more prone to okay. UTIs because the urethra, which is the passage from the bladder to the outside, is much shorter in women compared to men. So it is um, not as common for men to get UTIs as women, but they can get UTIs. And if a man is diagnosed with a urinary tract infection, what is the best course of action? Then firstly, the doctor would collect the urine sample yeah. and test it mm-hmm. um, to see if there's uh, white cells in the urine which would suggest that there's an infection or to see whether there is blood in the urine. Following that, um, the urine will be submitted for uh, testing in the laboratory to see what um, what uh, bacteria is responsible for the, in- for the infection. And that would be followed by the appropriate antibiotic for a few days. We're talking to Dr. Kiurapetsi Tabani, who is a medical oncologist. And tonight in our mentors feature, we're talking men and cancer. You're very welcome to ask Dr. Tabani uh, any questions you have relating to cancer on 0891-104-207, or SMS 34701. SMS number is 34701, and SMSs are charged at two rand. Dr. Tawani, let's talk about uh, one of the side effects of uh, the medication, um, some of the medication diagnosed for cancer, which impacts on a man's libido. 
Yes. This, um, this, this was the question that, that kept on coming up and the concern that kept on coming up uh, last time when we spoke to a urologist, um, mm. um, you know, that doctors don't really explain mm. what the side effects will be. Mm. And once a man sees that uh, his, uh, his libido is being impacted on, it, it goes hand in hand with sometimes even stopping treatment. Yes. No, definitely. And this is mainly in the area of prostate cancer uh, because prostate cancer is mainly hormone-driven. So it's mainly driven by male hormones. And so part of the treatment, and in fact, an integral part of the treatment is hormone blockade. So that medication that actually lowers uh, the hormone levels uh, of, of, of men, and, 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 and we call it chemical castration. So, and of course, the side effects of lowering uh, um, testosterone levels in men and lowering their male hormones is impotence. Uh, and as a urologist would have mentioned, I think the key is communication, mm. is to communicate to the patient and say, this is what we are trying to do, and this is why we are trying to do it. Because this cancer is hormone-driven, because it's very responsive to hormonal blockade, this is the type of medication that we advocate. However, the side effects include loss of libido, impotence, and so forth. And I think often if men are prepared and they know why this is the cause of action, why this is the medication they, they need, what are the benefits, then it does not come as such a shock. But mm-hmm. even then, there are medications that uh, on the market that help, um, you know, uh, in that regard, and that can be prescribed to men to take um, up to um, 36 hours before uh, an envisaged um, a sexual encounter. And... Uh when we talk about this communication, are doctors engaging with their patients enough, do you think, to allay their fears, to, even if it's not allaying their fears, but to give them all the information so they're fully prepared for the changes that will take place in their bodies? I don't think so. Um, I think, I think it's, it's a tricky area. Um, I think there are a whole lot of, of um, cultural issues as well sometimes. And I'm a young woman and mm. it's time to see a 70-year-old man. And it's difficult to know how I'm going to really touch on that unless he brings it up. You know, so yes, I have a responsibility as a clinician and we have a responsibility to communicate, but I think it's sometimes complicated by respect, cultural mm-hmm. issues, and, and, and a little bit of embarrassment because it's, it's such a sensitive area, but that doesn't take away from the fact that we need to communicate and we need to find ways to communicate better. And, and this impotence, once one, it, 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 is it, you know, reversible at some point, or is it something that you have to live with for the rest of your life because of the medication that you're on? Yes. So the, the truth is that um, it persists as long as the hormonal blockade is ongoing, but there is other medication that can be given before a sexual encounter to improve um, uh, erectile dysfunction. Okay. I'm talking to Dr. Kiorapeti Tabani, medical oncologist, and we're talking about uh, men and cancer on our mentors feature. We are taking your calls. I've got many SMSs coming in and calls as well. Keep them coming. We'll be reading them right after the news with Greg Hoos. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Attack helicopters to be deployed to the DRC and France makes the case for action against Syria. Good evening. The South African National Defence Force says attack helicopters are being deployed to the DRC. The United Nations has approved a 3,000-strong intervention brigade to support DRC government forces in the fight to dislodge M23 rebels from key positions. Defence Force spokesperson Golani Mabanga says a UN request for the helicopters to be deployed to the DRC is being handled by the South African government and the UN. 
we are aware of that request as a South African National Defence Force as well as the processes that are currently underway in terms of making that equipment available to the United Nations. As well as the United Nations is aware of the processes that are going on between the United Nations and the South African National Defence Force, that is the United Nations Department of Peacekeeping Operations. The ANC says the DA is jumping the gun by going to court about a draft bill which could prevent people living overseas from registering for provincial elections. ANC Chief Whip Stone Cezanne says the DA's decision to approach the courts on a draft bill that Parliament is still considering defies common sense. The DA has said that it and nine other applicants have filed papers on the matter in the Western Cape High Court. DA Executive Chairperson James Self says they want South Africans living overseas to be able to register for both national and provincial elections. They believe the bill may be unconstitutional because it excludes the right to a provincial vote. A woman's been caught driving at a speed of 205 kilometres an hour on the N2 in Fairbreeze near Tongat in KwaZulu-Natal. The provincial transport department says the woman was driving a BMW in a 120-kilometre zone. She's been released on 1,000 rand bail and is expected to appear in court. The transport MEC has condemned the motorist's behaviour. France's Prime Minister says there's no doubt that the Syrian government carried out a deadly chemical attack against civilians and that failure to react will allow the Syrian president to launch a similar attack again. Prime Minister Jean Macaro addressed Parliament during a debate to rally support for a military strike against Syria. La solution à la crise syrienne sera politique. The solution to the Syrian crisis will be a political one and not a military one. But let's face reality as it is. If we do not stop such behavior from the regime, there will not be any political solution. Because what would be the interest of the Syrian dictator, Mr. Bashar al-Assad, to negotiate? He thinks, as he keeps saying, that he can liquidate the opposition. The Prime Minister of Jordan, Abdallah Hensor, meanwhile says it will support a limited military strike against Syria if the U.S. can prove that government forces used chemical weapons. The BBC's Lise Doucette reports. President Obama needs Arab support if he decides to go ahead with military action against Syria. Jordan is one of the U.S.'s closest allies in this region, and its Prime Minister has now made clear for the first time that if the U.S. proves that President Assad's forces used chemical weapons, Jordan would back limited military action. The Prime Minister expressed hope that this week's G20 meeting would agree a plan to disarm Syria of its chemical weapons. That seems unlikely. And Dr. Ensour told me Jordan would not wait for any UN authorization if a stalemate continues in the Security Council. Human Rights Watch has urged the Afghan president to take immediate action to stop child marriage and domestic violence. The pressure group says he must ensure that a law passed in 2009 to protect women from violence is implemented properly. The BBC's Bilal Sawari. The law imposed tough new penalties for abuse of women, including making child marriage, enforced marriage crimes under Afghan law for the first time. Although the legal age for marriage in Afghanistan is 16 for women and 18 for men, child marriage remains common across the country, particularly in rural areas. The report says child marriage increases the likelihood of early pregnancy, which heightens the risk of death and injury in childbirth. The top story, the SA National Defense Force says attack helicopters are being deployed to the DRC. The UN's approved a 3,000-strong intervention brigade to support DRC government troops. 
The next news bulletin's at 9pm. For SAFM, I'm Greg Coase. The Talk Shop. This is the talk shop on SAFM 104 to 107. I am Chaba Mdolo. We're talking about men and the different cancers tonight on our mentors feature. And we're joined on the line by Dr. Kiorape Zitabani, a medical oncologist at the Santon Oncology Center. And we are taking your calls, questions uh, or comments for Dr. Geo on 0891-104-207, or SMS 34701, SMS number is 34701, and SMSs are charged at two rand. Now, around raising awareness uh, for men, especially regarding um, any illnesses, cancer specifically, I've got an SMS coming in from Luandle in Gokstad, and Luandle says, I'm really angry with doctors in general, um, and those in government especially, why don't they do awareness as much as they do with women around our health? And then he goes on to say, you want us to die, then celebrate law or Zion. <laughs> <laughs> saying no as men were not being looked after and he goes on to say in my 10 years working in a hospital trust me there was no lecture no awareness regarding the prostate cancers and all the diseases um, that you have uh, raised regard that affect men tonight Uh, it's 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 true I I, I suppose it is true that they, they we can do more you know there is definitely more that can be done to 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 raise awareness um, but I think, you know, this conversation is happening, mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm. it is part of raising awareness, you know, to say to men, these are the things you need to look out for, um, and so forth. But certainly there's always more that can be done, even for, 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 for issues regarding women's cancers. You know, we, we, we only just question the surface, really. You know, um, how do we reach out to women in rural areas? How do we reach out to men in rural areas, um, you know, about this information? How do we um, help them to gain access to screening tests? So there is a lot that, that can be done, but we chip at it every day and, 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 and hope that it makes a difference somehow. Mm-hmm. There are a number of SMSs coming in. Here's one that says, is it true that if you... Um, engage, if one has plenty of sex, one decreases the chances of having uh, full-blown prostate cancer. This is coming in from Tabani Homo in Mbangeni Kezeren. I don't think we've got evidence for that. Um, you, know, it, 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 you know, having uh, sex is good in other ways, um, you know, in terms of cardiovascular health and general mood and happiness, but I don't think we have clear evidence to, to say that as a recommendation for me. Okay, let's take some calls. 0891-104-207, 0891-104-207. Matthew in Mpumalanga, good evening to you. Good evening. Good, good, good evening to you, Doctor. Good evening, Matthew. Um, I've got a problem here. I hope you will be able to assist me. Mm. Um, I went for a routine checkup and um, uh, went through to a urologist and then to an oncologist. Mm. Now, this is what the oncologist um is uh, helping me with. You mm. can't go further than this stage. Uh, the patient had a routine. Okay, let me start with the diagnosis. Mm. C61, malignant neoplasm of prostate. Okay. Um, the patient had a routine PSA done, which was elevated. Mm. Prostate biopsies confirmed prostate cancer with a glucin 3 plus 2. Mm. He has no urologic symptoms. He's known with hypertension on verahexal. Mm. That's the medication I'm using. 
Unfortunately, this medical aid does not cover brachytherapy as a treatment option for prostate cancer mm. and is not interested in radical, in, yeah, radical surgery or radiotherapy. Mm. It has been referred to Steve Pico Memorial Hospital, mm. but they do not routinely do brachytherapy mm. for prostate cancer. Mm. And um, the patient has re- requested a referral to uh, your facility. Now, this... Uh, um, facility we're talking about now is uh, Charlotte McRaeke. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully they have um, these facilities. But my problem now is um, I phoned them. They say, look, they don't take referrals from private uh, uh, doctors. Mm-hmm. Okay, I must go to, 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 to a local hospital. Fine. I went to hospital this afternoon mm-hmm. and they said, look, from Pumalanga, we don't refer to a uh, hospital in Joburg. We mm. can only refer to Steve um, Pico Memorial. Now, it means I must go to Steve Pico Memorial and uh, retesting. I have no problem with retesting. Mm. But now they must do the retesting and then refer me to um, Charlotte Matreke. Uh, I, I have a, I've, I've got a problem with that. Uh, it's mm. like... The, the report from the oncologist is, is, is not uh, worth the paper is written mm, on. Mm, you mm. see, that is I my problem with the, with the whole setup. I hope the minister is listening to mm. this kind of problem that we're encountering. Mm. Uh, maybe other people are in a similar situation. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yes. yes. You know, Martin, the Malanga, thanks for the call on that. Um, Dr. Kyo, you were saying sorry, sir? No, I was saying sorry, there's ma'am. no need for retesting. If you've had um, a biopsy, there is absolutely no need for retesting because that, that just delays the time to, to implementation of treatment. There is definitely no need to redo it. You've got a biopsy. You have a copy of the biopsy. There is no need at all to, to repeat the test. But unfortunately, um, so, the so, red so tape... Referral, I, I do understand that there are referral patterns, yes. referral pools, but all that needs to happen is perhaps a letter to say that you've been seen and to attach the, the, the histology reports, but you do not need to undergo another biopsy. But what are the chances that he will get the referral that he is looking for to Charlotte McLeague coming from Mpumalan? Yes, but, but there's a different issue about, um, about which um, centre service which area. Mm. Um, that unfortunately we, we will not be able to alter in this particular conversation, but that the different centers service different areas. My concern, though, and this I'm not certain about, is whether there is brachy at Charlotte McLeague. I, I, I'm not sure of that. Mm. Uh, and also perhaps before you go through this, you need to establish whether there is brachy. I can find out and maybe SMS your producer um, tomorrow morning. I think that's what he was saying, that he, he heard that Charlotte McLeague has brachy. And mm. uh, the reason he's reluctant to go to Steve Biko mm. is that they don't have brachy. Mm. So, mm. you know, and, and the, those are the, those are the, the frustrations mm. that he's facing. So the red tape is actually stopping him from accessing the treatment that he needs. Mm. Mm. Yeah. No, the red tape is definitely frustrating, um, but I, I don't know if there's anything we can mm. do, particularly at our level, about about that that that, that red tape at the moment. Um, I am concerned though about whether there is brachy. As far as I know, there wasn't. But I'm willing to find out. Just double check before you go through this whole thing. Only to find out there's also no breaking. There, absolutely. Please do that, and then we will um, share this information yeah, with Matthew well. in Mbumalanga. And what we will do, Matthew, is we will also try and get uh, someone from the Department of Health yes. to come through and talk to us about the different treatment options available in the public hospitals mm. for cancer patients. Mm. So we'll mm. definitely do that. Thank but you, Master, so can I just add yes, one, one thing that me. is very important? Mm. Is that um, with regards to the treatment of early prostate cancer, 
um, the American Society of Urologists actually looked at what treatment is best at this stage. And they compared brachytherapy to um, pelvic radiation, so whole pelvic radiation, to watch and wait, i.e. doing nothing mm-hmm. at this point. And they found that in terms of survival, so in terms of how long men live after the snake attack, they've been diagnosed, that there was no difference between brachytherapy, pelvic irradiation, or, or what's called external beam radiation, or watching and waiting and observing. And the issue is that because a lot of men in the end could die with prostate cancer, not mm. from prostate cancer, mm-hmm. there is some merit to watch and see what is the um, rate of the PSA rise and then see what the doubling time is and then decide to treat in the future. Nobody does watch and wait today anymore. Maybe driven by anxiety because no one wants to hear that they have got cancer, but Mm. they have to watch and wait and see what happens. Mm. But Mm. the truth is that the studies have not shown that brachytherapy is superior to um, external beam radiation. There's There's no difference in survival. So the person who has external beam or the person who has brachytherapy there hasn't been, there's no evidence showing that, um, that there's a difference in survival. Okay, and this is relating to prostate cancer. Relating to prostate, prostate cancer. cancer. Let's make that clear. Tiriso, yeah. welcome. Good evening to you and welcome. Tiriso? Yes, yes, yes. Dumelan, that? I'm a person who is really 50 and I am blind. So I, I've had to get doctors that think about discomfort. And when it's a good way at all. So you're saying that you live with? I am blind. Oh, you're blind, yes? So I, 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 I always take it home. So I, I've had that doctor said about, about, about the abnormal discomfort. I don't know, because after I got blind, I've experienced it. I don't know the country. I'm putting a lot, a lot and I don't know what the need is. Could, could be a, a cancer or something. Uh, Dr. Gill, did you hear the question? I'm struggling to hear him. Yeah, Linda, I'm struggling. I, I'm, I'm you know, really, really trying. Um, so you, you say after you went blind, you noticed what one is a good hand at all? After I went blind, I've experienced some uh, problems in my stomach. Yes. So I had thought about the abdomen discomfort could be then of a lady or current cancer or a prostate cancer. Because I know, I know, I, I know I, I want many people who are blind to who have got the positive cancer. Okay, all right. So I'm not thinking I'm blind. I mean, I'm going to be in a blind uh, uh, cancer or a uh, colon cancer. Oh, I hear you. Because I'm cooking a lot and I have, I have uh, abnormal discomfort in the stomach. Okay, all right. I hear you. All right, thank you very much uh, for that particular question. Um, he's saying that he is blind, mm. um, and um, he, he heard you talking about uh, discomfort in the mm. stomach. And if, um, since he went blind, he's been experiencing this discomfort in the stomach, and he knows of you know um, other blind people who have been diagnosed with colon cancer and prostate cancer, and he wonders if there's a link at all. No, it's a coincidence. Okay, yeah. all right. So he should just go to the doctor and get yes. his stomach checked. Yes, exactly. All right, in order to, to deal with uh, whatever fears he has and also just to diagnose those symptoms. I mean, to, yes. to have that discomfort all the time. Mm, mm, Stephen mm. and Nelspread, good evening to you and welcome. Yes, hello. Hi, Stephen. Hi. Yes, uh, evening. Uh, evening for the doctor. 
Hello, Stephen. Yes, we can hear you. Go ahead, Stephen. Ah, uh, thank you. Uh, I just want to find a few questions. Um, the first question is, um, I hear the doctor talking about cigarettes. As far as I know, is that uh, as far as I learn, uh, cigarettes, uh, tobacco is causing cancer. And now I hear the doctor talking about alcohol. That also alcohol is causing cancer, and it's confusing me now. I just need, and I'm in very are you asking sorry sorry hang on a second let's get this clear you're saying tobacco sauce and uh, alcohol yeah and alcohol okay now, how do they cause cancer i hear the doctor talking about alcohol that alcohol is causing cancer okay i don't understand okay. how does it cause, cause cancer okay i think the last you, question, the last yes. question is uh now why are they, um, why uh, alcohol is kept on advertising while uh, cigarettes causing cancer is banned from advertising? Sorry, w- why is? Yeah, and I want to know that alcohol, why alcohol is being advertised uh, everywhere. Okay, I hear you. But, yeah, I hear cigarettes. Okay, I hear you. Thank you very much for the call. Um, I think there's definitely a problem with our phone line. Um, I'm not really hearing clearly, and, and I know how irritating it is for other listeners to when we're going, sorry, excuse me. Um, so we will be limiting the calls until we get a, a, you know, a, a way forward from my producer with regards to the quality of the calls. We've got a number of SMSs that we can deal with. The issue around... Alcohol. I think um, the listener heard you say alcohol causes cancer. Please let's clear that up. You were talking yes, about lifestyle. I think lifestyle. we need to, to, to clarify that we're yes. discussing risk factors. Yes. So um, it's not as though alcohol is a direct causal factor for cancer. So we look at studies and we see, we, you know, um, we, men would be questioned to say how much alcohol do you drink. And from all the patients that are diagnosed, one then extrapolates to see what percentage of patients who have been diagnosed actually have got these kind of habits, are overweight, take alcohol alcohol, smoke, and so forth. So it's important to distinguish causal factors so, uh, so that those are factors that have a direct link, causative link, and things that, um, factors that put one at increased risk for cancer. So, for example, you can have someone who drinks every day and dies at 90 from old age with no cancer. Okay. And then you have someone else who drinks moderately, exercises, um, uh, and then gets cancer because there are other factors like genetic factors that govern someone's risk. So genetic factors, environmental factors, lifestyle, all take, uh, family history, all taken together to put someone at a risk for a specific cancer. And so that doesn't blanketly mean that we must stop drinking today. It just means that we must be aware that there may be an association and improve lifestyle in accordance with that. But those are not causal factors. Those are risk factors that combined with other things, genetic susceptibility, environment, habits, and so forth, put someone at risk for developing a cancer. Okay. Got an SMS coming in, quite a number of SMSs coming in, actually. One says, medical oncologist, is there another kind? Yes, there is another kind. And I learned yes. this from Dr. Keo last yes. time. There's medical oncology, surgical oncology, and radiation oncology. So there are three types uh, of primary disciplines with regards in the field of clinical oncology. So that's cleared up. Let's look at the SMSs coming in. Mujaji Mukoku um, sent in a further SMS saying, colon cancer is my concern. Yes. Is it impossible for a teenager? 
major to get colon cancer because I heard you talking about only going for a colonoscopy at 50. Yes. So, yes, it is possible. Um, in fact, um, you know, one, one of, 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 of my youngest patients was 19 at diagnosis. Um, so we know that the risk of colon cancer increases with age. And when we screen, we want to capture people at the greatest risk of getting a cancer with the view of getting it early and, and, and curing it. And so because it's so unusual for young people to get colon cancer, um, we would have to screen any teenagers to pick up one, mm-hmm. and which, is, which, which, which is not going to, to, to work out. So, yes, it doesn't mean that young people cannot get colon cancer. It just means that screening tests are meant to capture people at greatest risk for developing a certain type of cancer. Okay. I've got an SMS coming in that says, uh, I had a colonoscopy uh, that came back clear, mm-hmm. but I still see blood on some of my stool. Yes, I'm diabetic and use insulin. What could be wrong? Um, okay, so, so so blood can come from anywhere in, in, the, in the digestive tract. Mm-hmm. It can come from the anus where there perhaps may be what you call anal seizures or small cuts. Usually when someone is constipated and they're straining a stool, there might be small cuts that can bleed. If you have a colonoscopy, it will be normal because there's nothing wrong with the colon. So it could be seizures, so you have, you'd need to see your doctor to look and see if there are any anal seizures. It could be hemorrhoids where um, the, the blood vessels around the anorectal junction protrude and start to bleed. It could be that the blood is coming from higher up, but usually if it's frank blood, then it's, come, it's coming from the lower uh, uh, anorectal um, uh, area. And a colonoscopy means that the large intestines are normal, but locally at the area of the anus there might be fissures or there might be hemorrhoids or what you call piles that, that, that someone can, can look at. And also the question is whether it's not an aspirin because um, many diabetics to lower their cardiovascular risk can be placed on aspirin and one of the side effects of aspirin is, um, is, is, is bleeding. Okay, all right. And I hope that you also, Tulomati and Grunstadt, have been answered with regards to your bleeding um, when you go to the toilet. Go to the doctor. Go see your GP and and have him look at you, Tulo, and and decide what the next course of action is. Here's an an SMS that comes in. I have a sharp pain um, in the side at at the bottom of my belly. I went for a scope through the mouth, and they found nothing wrong. But the pain persists. Does this mean that I must now have, I may have stomach cancer. If so, how come the previous doctor missed it? Should I go for a colonoscopy rather? This is coming in from Fred in Randburg. Um, so if the pain doesn't get better, um, you know, it's depending on where it is. I think he said that it was at the lower abdomen on the right side. On the, on the yeah, bottom of the belly. Okay, so first he needs to be examined. Um, that's the first thing. So he needs to have a history taken. He needs to be examined. Uh, there might be a role for a colonoscopy based on what the history and the clinical examination yield. Okay, so the, the gastroscopy and the colonoscopy will yield different results, obviously, yes, because the they're looking at different areas. looking at the stomach, Yes. Um, and the colonoscopy and the, the, the camera is inserted from the back to look at the bowel, the large intestines. So he must just go back to the doctor that, uh, that uh, recommended the uh, gastroscopy with regards to uh, doing a follow-up? To do a follow-up and, and to, to discuss the role of a colonoscopy. Okay, all right. Uh, another SMS says, Doctor, you talk about um, uh, desperate need to urinate, but nothing coming out. What about the sudden urge to urinate at times that leaves one desperate? Yes, so that's called urgency. 
um, that, that's when there's a sudden need to, to, to urinate. And that also can happen um, when a prostate, uh, the prostate gland is enlarged. And that is very common as men get older, that they get what we call benign prostatic hyperplasia. And that is when the prostate gets bigger and bigger with age. That is not harmful, but it does give symptoms of urgency, which means a sudden urge to urinate, sometimes hesitancy, so going and then waiting for the urine stream to, to come. Or dribbling, which means that a man would pass urine, and when they think they're finished, a couple of other uh, drops would, would come out afterwards. So that is very common when men get older. Um, it is not life-threatening. It is just a natural progression of things. Okay. I've got an SMS coming in from Upumu who says, how does one differentiate uh, between the different symptoms of IBS, colon cancer, and stomach cancer? I think it's very difficult. Um, you know, um, so everything would have to be taken in context because some of the symptoms of IBS and that's inflammatory bowel disease for the listeners, mm. um, that can, uh, and IBS is irritable bowel uh, syndrome, syndrome. Yes. IBD is inflammatory bowel disease, but the symptoms overlap quite a lot because it's bloating, sometimes diarrhea, sometimes constipation. So I would still feel comfortable if a diagnosis of IBS can be made by a gastroenterologist. Okay. Um, just to make sure that they are, that we're not missing anything because quite often the symptoms overlap. But just to touch on that and also to answer Majaji's question about the symptoms of colon cancer because we, I, I didn't answer that. Mm. The symptoms of colon cancer are uh, alternating bowel habits. So alternating between constipation um, today and diarrhea tomorrow and, uh, and also blood in, 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 in the stool. Sometimes if the cancer is lower down in the rectum, a feeling of incomplete defecation. So you've gone to the bathroom, you've, you've passed through, but you still feel like you're not finished, even though there's nothing coming out. Um, th- those are the commonest symptoms of colon cancer. But certainly for, 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 the, for the person who's asked about IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome, the symptoms overlap quite a lot, and I would be more comfortable if that diagnosis is made by a gastroenterologist. Because often I've seen people who have been told that it was IBS when it turned out to be something more significant than that. Here's an interesting SMS from Anonymous says, um, what are the chances of chilies and voluntary vomiting causing any cancer? Of, of what? Voluntary vomiting, actually oh, forcing yourself. Vomiting. Yes, yes. That, that, that is not likely to cause cancer, but what that can do is that it can cause um, a rupture of the, uh, of, 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 of the esophageal uh, sphincter. So that, that's also not good because, because of inducing, because that, that is not the normal direction of flow of things. And so by inducing vomiting, one runs the risk of causing esophageal rupture. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we have so many SMSs coming in, Dr. Geo, and we don't have time to deal with them all. Um, our lines are, ri- you know, ringing away. Um, can, can we impose on you to join us again in the near future, please, as we have a follow-up of uh, men and cancers? Clearly men are in desperate need of this kind of information. No, definitely. And also what, what listeners can do is that um, we've got a, a Facebook page on Sentinel Oncology. Mm-hmm. They can like us and inbox their, their questions. I do not um, promise that I'll answer them immediately, but over the weekend and when I have spare time, I can try and go through some of the questions. So they can like us on Facebook and then inbox us and their queries, and over time I can try and answer some of them. Okay, so um, your Facebook page is Santon Oncology, Santon Oncology Center. Center. Okay, Santon Oncology Center yes. is the Facebook page. Like it and uh, inbox any questions you may have to Dr. Kiorapetzi Dabani or call them on uh, the office number.
can send us an email. Okay. On Sentinel Oncology. Yes. At i at iafrica dot com. They can go onto our website. Um, which is sentinelloncology.coza, okay. and there's an opportunity there to also load some questions that we can reply to. Okay, so that website is santononcology.co.za, yes. santononcology.co.za, or send an email to santononcology at iafrica.com. Yes. santononcology at iafrica.com. Thank you very, very much for your time, ma'am. Really appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. We're definitely going to be talking to Dr. Gio again, and we will be saving all the SMSs that we're unable to deal with tonight.